22 sleeps. Now, as I say that, there are probably two kinds of reactions that happen in the room. There are the people who are kind of like my mum who go, that's fine. Christmas is 22 sleeps away. I finished Christmas shopping a month ago. And it's fine. And then there is probably a bunch of people, like my dad growing up, who goes, 22 sleeps, that's fine. I've got 21 sleeps before I have to start my Christmas shopping. For some reason, Dad always had an errand that he had to do on Christmas Eve. Well, 22 sleeps till Christmas, and that means that it is four Sundays till Christmas. We are now in the season called Advent. This is a season and an opportunity for us to prepare our hearts, to pause and to reflect to think about who is this notable person that we are celebrating a birth of on the 25th. And over the course of our AM services and some of our PM services, we're going to be exploring some of the names and titles of Jesus. We're going to be taking the opportunity to just think about who is this person that we are celebrating, to remind ourselves of who he is, to, to reflect on what we need to be reminded of this year and who we are called to be. And I want to start off this series today with one of my favourite Advent passages. I want to start off with Isaiah 9, 6-7. And it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That's a beautiful passage with some incredible images in it and I love the way that it ends because it's talking about someone coming to rule, to lead, but the end reminds us that this is not going to be a mere human. This is going to happen because of God. But there are four titles in there. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Four incredible images and titles of Jesus that you could sit and reflect on for a very long time. But today I want to just pull out one of those. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. In the Hebrew, this is Sar Shalom. And I want to just look at what these two words are and what they mean today because they tell us this beautiful picture of who Jesus is, of who our Saviour is. And so the first word there is Sar, Prince. And it means a ruler, an official, a leader. This is a word that highlights that we are talking about somebody who leads people, who leads nations. 
And we see that in the passage. It says the government will be on his shoulders. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. See, right from the start, we are told that Jesus, the baby that we are celebrating the birth of, he is going to be a leader. He is going to be a ruler. He is going to be one who is here to to lead us, to guide us, to show us the way. But he's not just like any leader or politician. This is someone who is going to have his kingdom known for something in particular, for something special. Prince of Peace. And the thing is, if we, if this kingdom is going to be known as a kingdom of peace and we belong to that kingdom, then there is actually a challenge in there that we are called to be a people of peace as well. And when we look at some of the words of Jesus and words in the New Testament, we see Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We see that there is this highlight not on just keeping the peace, but actually making peace wherever we go. This is something that we're called to be. Paul's words in Romans chapter 12 say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. These words tell us that there is this idea of peace, that if we're part of the kingdom of God, we are part of this kingdom known for peace, then we are meant to be peaceful ourselves. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If we belong to a kingdom of peace, we are to be a people of peace. This is this line that has just been repeating in my head as I've been preparing this message as I've been reflecting on what it means for Jesus to be the Prince of Peace and what that means for us. And yet, I think about Gavin's pastoral prayer at the start of the service. There was prayer for peace in two conflicts around the world at the moment. In fact, I did a little bit of Googling this week. Did you know that in 2023 there have been seven major wars. Seven. And more than that, there are 14 other conflicts not defined as a major war. See, I, I hear that, I read things like that, and I go, where is this peace that we're meant to have at Christmas? Because as I look at the world around me, I don't see peace. And so we need to actually dive into and understand what this peace is. Because the peace that Jesus brings, it's about so much more than just an absence of conflict. And so that word that comes from Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus, Sar Shalom. Peace. 
Now, if you go to Israel today, you will hear shalom a lot because in Israel, even today, they use it as a greeting, as a blessing. Shalom. They wish it upon other people. It is a declaration. It is a hope. I want you to have peace. And you respond, peace be with you. Shalom. It is this hope, this declaration. And so they hear it all the time. And it is talking about so much more than just an absence of conflict. And so today, I'm going to share a couple of the meanings. There are seven different meanings that, or different ways that shalom can be used. I'm not going to go through all seven because that would take a little while. Instead, I just want to share two. And I want to invite you to reflect. As I share these, where do you need the Prince of Peace in your life again today? See, the first meaning that kind of sticks out to me about shalom, it's a peace of friendship. It is a word of friendship. It describes a good relationship between two people, a close relationship between two people. And here we have this title of Prince of Peace. We think about it in terms of nations, but here it becomes individual. Here it narrows down and it focuses on us as individuals. It's the relationship between two. And more specifically, this is related to the relationship between us and God. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Romans. I love the book of Romans. I love the truths that it talks about. And I love the language that Paul uses when he talks about peace and friendship between us and God in Romans chapter 5. And I want to just have a couple of verses. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's this idea of peace coming between us and God and it comes through Jesus, the Prince of Peace. But then a little while later in verses 6 to 10 it says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Some pretty harsh language there. Ungodly. Sinners. God's enemies. We don't like to think of ourselves in language like that. We don't like to hear that. And the idea of us being enemies of God, that it doesn't sit right. And yet, 
as people. When we choose to go our own way, when we choose to think that we know better, when we choose to be in control ourselves, to not submit ourselves to God, to not accept his loving rule or reign, but instead we want to do it ourselves, that is what we are setting ourselves up as. Enemies of God. We are setting ourselves against him and staring him down. We are enemies of God. And yet, this is, this is what I love about the cross of Christ. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. See, at the cross of Christ, before we even tried to make amends, before we could even think about reconciliation, before there was even an idea in our mind of peace, Christ died for us. We were his enemies and yet he died to offer us friendship with God. He invited us to exchange being enemies of God to being friends of God. This is the prince of peace. Turning enemies into friends. And yet I think about this, this image that this presents. And I think about that idea, if we are, if we belong to a kingdom of peace, then we're to be a people of peace. And what does that look like? What does that mean? Because here in Jesus we see the image of the one who is hurting, It is the one who is in power but who is hurting, who reaches out the hand of peace first to the perpetrator. The one who is hurt makes the first move. This is an incredibly wild idea and wild way of looking at peace in the world today. See, God didn't actually need to reach out to us, but he chose to. He wanted to. And so I wonder, what might it look like today if we chose to take that first step of seeking peace? If we chose to forgive the transgressions against us? What would it look like if we visit family over the summer break? And we know that visiting family, particularly at Christmas time, There are tensions in the room. There are tensions at the table. There are the historical things that you think have been dealt with that return. And so what would it look like if rather than engaging in the fight or disengaging from the family, we instead chose to intentionally step forward and offer the hand of peace first? before someone apologises to us, before someone makes the move to us first? What if we, as the injured, move forward first? What would it look like in our workplaces rather than waiting for someone else, 
rather than waiting for a mediator to come, if we chose to just step forward? What if, what if we took the step forward and extended a hand in peace before the other person even realises that there's an issue? Before they've even got time to think about it? What would it look like to seek peace first here in Alice over the summer? See, maybe this Advent season, the thing that you need to be reminded of, the, the, the thing that you need to reflect on Jesus being the Prince of Peace is we need to be reminded of the peace that turns enemies into friends. But what I love about the word shalom is it's so much more than just that peace as the absence of conflict. It's so much more than just friendship. It is also contentness. And you know, there's this idea of contentedness, of satisfaction. And this is similar to the way that we use the word peace in our world today. You know, it might be that moment when you arrive at work before everyone else or you're there after everyone else has left and it is quiet, and it is peaceful, and you feel content, and you feel like you're able to get what you need to get done. It's that contentedness as a parent when you are exhausted and you sit down with a hot drink because the kids are playing quietly and happily. Of course, that only lasts a moment because you remember that kids playing quietly always ends in trouble. (laughs) Or maybe... This idea of contentedness comes from this. See, this is for me. The photo on the left is a photo that I took on one of my walks. I've found a rock in Alice in the Crown Land where I can just sit. The photo on the right is when I went down to Adelaide to Encounter Bay and I stood in the ocean after 11 months. And it was wonderful. And yes, I was counting those 11 months. But there is something about those places where you're able to get away from all the things of the world and it is quiet and it is peaceful. It's that place where you can put down your stresses and your worries and those things that are giving you anxiety and you can let your adrenaline start to flow out of you. The problem with these things is that pretty soon... They change. Other people arrive at work or you have to go home. The kids come out from playing quietly and they're covered in something. You have to leave your rock and enter back into the world. You have to go back into the middle of everything. You know, the middle of transitions. Maybe you are in the middle of changing roles or changing jobs because other people have left the organisation. Maybe you are preparing to move house. Maybe you are learning how to retire. Maybe it's just changing friendships and dynamics. Maybe you are in the middle of challenge. You know, you've got all the tasks that you need to be that need to get done. You've got the deadlines that are piling in on you, and you are just in the middle of everything. It's dealing with the hard relationships at work. It is 
dealing with the changing relationships at home and in the family. Maybe you are going back to the middle of loss. Maybe it's the end of a season in Alice for you or for your friends. Maybe you're dealing with grief of losing a loved one. Maybe you've lost your job. And the thing that I've learned is that we don't encounter these things in isolation. We seem to be hit by so many of them at once. And it's nice to be able to go away and to run away and to find peace and contentness. But how do we find it in the middle of everything? How do we, when we are in the middle of these things, when we are feeling uncertain and anxious and stressed and worried, when our adrenaline is rising, this is the moment when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, wants to come and whisper to us, Shalom. On the last night that Jesus was with his disciples, We've got a couple of chapters in John that just describes the things that he talked about, and I love verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, over the course of a couple of chapters, the things that he has told the disciples, you will not be alone. He reminds them that he is the vine and they have the branches to remain in him, to keep seeking him, to be connected. He has told them that there is the Holy Spirit who is coming, who is there to help them, to support them. And that's who we have as believers today. And he speaks these words to remind them that they are not and they never will be alone. He speaks these words to remind them that, yes, there are going to be things that happen in this world. There are going to be frustrations and challenges and, yeah, maybe even persecution and death. But take heart because Jesus is more powerful than any of those things. And so he speaks these words to the disciples because he wants them to know that there is a peace that he is offering as a gift for them, a peace that exists in the middle of all of that. And this is the peace that Paul finds and he shares with us in Philippians 4, 11 to 13. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This peace, this contentedness is what comes when we choose to lift up our eyes. You know, when we choose not to to focus on the things that are surrounding us, that are wanting and calling out for our attention, but when we actually choose to lift them up from the things that are temporary and to look at the things that are eternal. 
when we choose to focus not on the trouble that is right in front of us, not the the things that we are caught in the middle of, but instead we choose to look at the horizon and what is steady. We choose to look at Jesus and what he does in us. You know, there is a contentment that comes when we remember that we are citizens of heaven and we are just passing through here. We don't belong. It changes our focus. It changes the way in which we view things, the way in which we see things. This is what we've been sharing in our evening services as we've gone through the book of 1 Peter. And when we can lift up our eyes, it calms our stress. Our breathing slows. We find contentment. We find peace Even though we are still in the middle of that challenge, we can find it. You know, I love the story of Peter in the boat. Jesus is walking out on the water and it's a storm and Jesus calls Peter out to him on the water. So Peter hops out of the boat and he keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus and he walks on water. But then he gets distracted. He sees the waves and he starts to sink. But Jesus is there. See, Paul speaks in that this is learning to be content. I have learned the secret. It is something that we have to learn and remind ourselves. It is a process that we go through time and time again because our attention wanders. Your attention has probably wandered many times in this sermon already. It's okay. We have to continually remind ourselves to be content. To lift our eyes from the temporary to the eternal. And the thing is, when people see that, when we manage to do that and live that out in our lives, people notice it. People see it. People wonder what is going on because they're, There's chaos all around them and yet they are content. See, carrying Jesus' contentment allows us to be a non-anxious presence to others. When you learn to do pastoral care, when you learn to do chaplaincy, they talk about being a non-anxious presence, of being invited into spaces where people are worried, where people are stressed, where people are uncertain, and to be a calm place in that. Every time I hop in the car to go visit somebody at the hospital, every time I go hop in the car to go visit somebody in their home, I pray, Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. Help me to be a carrier of your peace. Help me to be this non-anxious presence today. Because the thing is, when we are able to live this out, when we are able to show it, it spreads wider than us. This is a beautiful gift that we can offer people. And I haven't actually experienced Christmas in Alice yet or a December, but I know that December is often a time where people get stressed. There are things that need to be done. There are deadlines approaching. It is a heightened experience. Family relationships get heightened at Christmas. 
And so I wonder, if we are going to be a people of peace, what would it look like if we intentionally chose to carry that non-anxious, contented peace of Christ into those adrenaline-filled spaces? What would it look like if the people around us are getting stressed and yet we're able to carry peace with us, to share with them, to offer as a gift somewhere for them to just breathe and relax? What would it look like if around the table when tensions start to rise, we chose to lift our eyes from that and instead to look at the eternal? be that non-anxious presence? What would it look like here in Alice over summer where there's always a concern about the increase of crime if we intentionally sought to be a non-anxious presence to the people around us? Because I can't help but reflect on the quote that Gavin shared from Wendell Berry at the start of the year. People want a solution as large-scale as the problem, and that's rarely the case. Instead, what usually is the case are a bunch of small solutions. Those small solutions don't satisfy people's need for drama. It doesn't feel like something is being fixed right away. See, being a non-anxious presence, carrying the peace of Christ, it is not a big solution It is a solution that impacts lives one at a time. The same way that Jesus did with us. So maybe this Christmas, as we prepare for Christmas, do you need to be reminded of the peace that brings contentment in the middle of trouble? in the middle of tensions, in the middle of transition, in the middle of life. To be that non-anxious presence. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And I wonder, what part of that do we need to be reminded of today? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to just say thank you. Thank you for giving us Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one who leads us and rules a kingdom known for peace. And Lord, I pray that you would just reveal to us What are the parts of peace that we need to be reminded of this Christmas? Do we need to be reminded of the friendship that reaches out first? Do we need to be reminded of the contentment that exists in the middle when we lift our eyes and when we choose to be a non-anxious presence? Oh Lord, is there something else? Lord, help us to just reflect on what it is that we need today and to carry it with us this Christmas. All these things we pray in your name. Amen.